0: For such a time as this, great truth in that song, and uh, in fact, it goes well with what I'm preaching today, so, you know, you got my notes and everything, it was great. Uh, Young people can make their way out to junior church today, and as they're making their way out, one other announcement, matter of fact, I don't know Caleb back there, I don't know if you have this announcement slide still, but next Sunday a uh, special Sunday next Sunday. They're always special, but next Sunday, extra special. A uh, new friend of mine that's going to be here preaching for us, uh, he uh, pastors a church out in Colorado and is taking the lead with uh, missionary Tim Avila that we support, uh, the building that w- that the Lord allowed us to build in the Philippines in the cemetery. Uh, this is the uh, the pastor that's helping get Tim over here to the states. As a matter of fact, I'm on I'm on his board as well. So, uh, and Tim will be here. Uh, Tim Avila will be here in August. Uh, but this coming Sunday, do you have it? I don't know do you have it up there Yeah, Rob Redland Pastor Redland's going to be here, Calvary Community Baptist Church, and uh, he'll he'll be here. He's speaking at the college down in Pensacola and. Uh, So he's going to run up here and and preach for us and he's pretty sought after as a speaker and and he and I, we've spent a lot of time on the phone over the last several months and Let's just say we have, we have a lot of things in common. We see a lot of things the same way in terms of ministry. And uh, it's been really, really a blessing to get to, to uh, know him. And I think his wife, uh, I think Barb's coming too, right? Uh, so we're, we're, we're just really excited. So I want you to be here. Would you do me the honor of being here? And I, it's one I'm going to go out on the limb and tell you. And I know. So you say, oh, you know, if you're not preaching, you know, th- th- this, this guy, he's, he's, a, he's a good speaker. And uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sure he won't be as good as me. I understand that. <laughs> um, no, he'll be, he'll be way better is what he'll be. Uh, so I want to encourage you to be here. All right, before I get preaching, one other little minimal or big, that's not minimal, it's a big deal uh, of church business here. Um, I have some good news and some bad news. Uh, would you like to hear the good news or the bad news first? Amen. All right, how many, how many would like to hear the bad? Say Amen. How many like you the good news first? Hey, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Lincoln, this one you lose, bud. You're, you're out on this one. Um, so, bad news won first. All right, the bad news is, this is going to be an update on the chairs, all right? Update on the chairs is, well, I really can't tell you the bad news without telling you the good news. So, you're going to win after all, Lincoln. So, you know, you know it all. Um, last week, we blew past our goal to be able to purchase the chairs. So, the Lord has provided the finance. I think it's... Uh, <clears throat> That's why it's not in the bulletin today. We did it on purpose because I didn't want you to know until I told you. Uh, But I think we're we're like at 18,000 or something like that, give or take a little bit. So we're over, which is good because since we started this, the price of the chairs has gone up. You know, surprise, surprise. But that leads me to the bad news. And the bad news is all the chairs you've been sitting in and talking about and arguing about all this time, you know, didn't matter. So if you didn't like the gray one don't worry it's not that one's not, if you didn't like the blue one don't worry that one's not winning you didn't like the whatever one other one back there like it's not winning none of them are winning because none of them are available anymore the, the companies that make them literally have gone out and been sold out by somebody else. And so, you know, it's, it's like this convoluted thing. And, and you can get the metal part of the chair, but you can't get the cloth part of the chair. So we won't really know what colors of the cloth they have until you know. So, so I, you know, you might want to pray about that. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to get as many chairs in here as we can as quickly as we can. And you're going to have to be a little more uh, d- d- decisive, don't DT? You already got your chair, right? You didn't get no other chair. You don't get a vote anyway, you know. You know, you haven't been sitting there for 15 years. You have been sitting there, you know, but I liked it better when you sat there. You threw things at me better from that location. Um, but you just vote whatever Tommy tells you to vote. You just do. But I don't know. It may come down to do you like chairs? <laughs> um, it may come down to that. So we're, we're, we're working on it. We're going to try it. As a matter of fact, I think we're working on getting a, 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 a sample here. It'll be a couple of weeks. And they told us, they said, and even when you do go order, they said, it, this is what they're, t- they're telling us. They said, it could take up to 14 weeks. Hmm yeah it could be worse than that so every every you know is it just me or do you think the covid supply chain thing is running a little weary i think i 've heard that one too many times i i 'm still going to my job every single week right something i, mean, you know, I don 't know bottom line is i don 't know it 's just kind of been a nightmare so good news, bad news all right with that out of the way, uh, we are going to go to Micah chapter number seven in your Bibles uh, this morning, Micah chapter number seven and um This is a a message that just kind of been on me. This verse that came across, so I was really preparing for another sermon. And one of those verses I just couldn't let go of. So this morning, you're kind of going to get a message that was really written to myself. But since God didn't give me anything else, I guess you could get to have it too. So there there you go. Um, Anybody ever heard of the YouTube channel Epic Fail or Fail Army? Oh, M- Matt Swofford, why am I not surprised that you know that channel? And Johnny, I, why does that not surprise me? You guys know not, I, I get introduced to it by my wonderful children. They said, Dad, you got to get this channel. And I said, What's the channel about? said, Everybody who Epic fails. I'm like, well, that's pretty good. So I, I found a couple, you know, thumbnails from them. You know, there's fails of the week. You, can you see, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not going to sign. No comments on that one. Uh, and then I got one for all you military guys. If you're not in the military, you might not get this next one. But coordination fail when air operations and construction efforts collide. Um, you know, any you, you Air Force guy, Brian, is that what happened when you were overseas when you were coming in? You know, wasn't your... Was it your <laughs> Oh, man. Said by real Army leadership. I know you're Air Force, but that's okay. Let's pick on the Army there, but uh, that's good. Not my fault, yeah. Um, Oh, that's hilarious. Um, Ever been that person that Epic failed? Yeah, I think we probably all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Matt, no, yeah. Michelle didn't even need to speak up on that. You volunteered it. Um, I think we've all been on uh, that end of the, the, the of those actions where things haven't gone the way that we desired and sometimes unfortunately you might get caught on video or it might somebody you know famine might see it but um, worst yet is knowing in your life and maybe you don't have this but I'm going to guess most of you do anybody got anybody in your life that you know they want to see you fail you got like a persecutor you're going, No, I don't have one of those. Well, I I hate you um, for that, but uh, <laughs> you know what happens? I got all of yours. So they're all they're all on on team Ken. Watch him fail. Uh, there there are there could be a coworker maybe that you know just wants them to see you mess up all the time, or you know maybe you have a, a former relationship that you are involved in, and you know they want your life to be miserable, and every time you fail, you know they're sitting over there laughing or happy about it. Maybe maybe it could even be a family member. You know it could it could be any bit different place, but. This morning, I want to remind you that all those things work in our life. But of course, if if you're here this morning and you are a child of God, you're a Christian. um, We know that Satan wants to destroy us, and he wants to see every believer that's in here this morning epic fail. He does. He wants to make you do and be everything that God did not create you to be. I said that a little fast because that was a little profound. He wants to make you do and be everything that God did not create you to be. Because ultimately, when you and I deny our purpose that God created us to be, in effect, that is rebellion against God. So when a person becomes a Christian through simple faith and receiving the free gift of God through the finished work of the life, death, and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know, Satan can't change that. He, he cannot undo. I know i got folks that, you know, I, I always like to ask them, you know, Jesus said you got to be born again. And when you're born again and you have the spiritual new birth, you can no more go back and be unborned than you can physically. Once you're born, you're born. And, and I'm so glad that you and I, children of God, are secure in the hands of God. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish not a lot of wiggle room in there I'm so glad to know as Jesus went on to say that I'm secure in the hand of God and and no one can get me out of there and I'm safe but Satan can influence and does his very best to ruin our lives here in this shadow land in which we now live and when we fail mark it down he he rejoices I don't know. Seems like in some ways in the church he's had a pretty good run of it. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 8 to be sober and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. In Revelation 12, we're told concerning the tribulation saints, but I believe it's true of us as well, that Satan's called the accuser of our brethren and he accused them before our God day and night. But he's always watching and always waiting to see when you fail. That's why this morning I entitled this morning's message, Answering the Adversary. Because Satan is our great accuser, just as he did to Job, so he wants to do for you and I and to you and I. And this morning, I, a really simple truth, and not I don't have as many funny stories this morning. I just have something that God's laid in my heart that I want to share with you Um, how do I answer the adversary that's what's going to bring us to the Old Testament book of Micah And um, in Micah chapter 7, uh, this Old Testament prophet prophesied during the reign of several kings, some bad, mostly bad, but he also was uh, prophesied during the reign of good King Hezekiah and he was a contemporary of Isaiah. Much of what he has to say goes along with uh, the prophet Isaiah. And another thing unusual about Micah is he had ministry both to the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And basically, his message is like most of the minor prophets, where he says, "Because of your sin god 's going to judge you, and you 're going to be taken into captivity and, and uh, but ultimately you 're going to be restored and, and the, the prophet even looks down into the uh, the annals of time and sees the ultimate restoration of Israel uh, after the tribulation period and at the end of this letter he 's encouraging these these uh, Uh, the remnant of believers and he's telling them how to answer the adversary. You see in Micah chapter number 7 he begins in verse number 2 an interesting verse that Dr. Frutenbaum point out that I just thought I'd take a minute here. This isn't really part of my message per se but it's interesting. Um, In verse 2 the Bible says the good man has perished out of the earth and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. And Dr. Frutenbaum points out that he, he thinks this verse is a is a reference to the time when there's going to be a moment in time on this earth when there's going to not be not one good man. Now, I know most of you women are going, Well, oh, that happened a long time ago. <laughs> um, but no, I'm talking about when he says man, I'm talking about man and women. You know, there's, no, there's not one good human being. And think about that. When will there be a time when there's not one left on this planet? And the only time I can think about that is the moment after the rapture of the church, the catching away of the church, when we're all gone, the only ones that are going to be left are those who are, are not good based on the definition of good being good before God, which is found in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Interesting take. And he goes on to say in verse number three that after this, everyone around is going to be doing evil. Um, in verse three, he talks about the judge asking for a reward or a bribe and even the great man, you know, he utters a mischievous desire so they can wrap it all up. They're trying to take advantage of one another and everybody in verse four is the best of them is as a briar and the most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. And this is significant in verse four. He says, the day of thy watchmen and thy visitation cometh. And without getting too deep into it, um, the, 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 the idea there with the visitation has a specific reference to the tribulation period and the time of Jacob's trouble where Israel's going to be refined. And he's saying that during that tribulation period, that, 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 that the, the, the tenor is going to be that you can't trust anybody. That's why in verse 5, he says, Trust ye not in a friend, and put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. In other words, you can't trust a friend, you can't trust a counselor, you can't even trust the person you're sleeping with, uh, you know, your spouse. And and then it gets even worse in verse 6, For the son dishonoreth the father, and the daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies are men of his own house. Tough time, isn't it? Now, when you see this prophecy of of Micah here, it is interesting that more than once Jesus refers to this and another reason we know what's happening here in Micah is because Jesus puts it in the place exactly in the tribulation for example in Luke chapter 12 Jesus says the father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father and the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother and the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. Sound familiar? Jesus is referring to Micah's prophecy here uh, regarding the tribulation period and he says it again in Matthew 24 and then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. That during the tribulation period the pressure to submit to the worship of the Antichrist is going to be so great And especially in the Jewish country that you won't be able to trust anybody, even your own family, may turn you in. Wow. That's a tough time, isn't it? Now, we also know, according to the book of Revelation and other places, that in the tribulation period after the church is gone that God doesn't end his grace, that he sends out 144,000 Jewish witnesses and then the, the two great witnesses show up and we know in the book of Revelation and in other parts of the Minor Prophets that a great revival among the Jewish people comes and a great global uh, 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 revival comes and so there's there's good news. Matter of fact, verse number 7, Dr. Frutenbaum believes uh, this is a reference to those who are going to come to faith in, in, in Jesus Christ for, as their Savior. In verse 7, therefore, uh, the remnant speaks here I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the, for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. That I'm going to look to him in faith. I'm going to look and live just like uh, Moses put the serpent as Jesus talked about in John 3. And I'm going to look and I'm going to live by simple faith and I'm going to look unto the God of my salvation and he's going to hear my cry when I call unto him. He's going to hear me and he's going to receive me and he's going to make me right and he's going to bring me into his family. And folks are going to get saved during, during this time. Now, it does sound familiar, though, doesn't it? I mean, you know, I understand we are not in the tribula- tribulation period now, regardless of what some people online may say. Things are bad, but um, it's going to get a lot worse. Um, you don't think they ain't seen nothing yet kind of mentality, but... While we are not in the tribulation, the Bible's clear that for believers, even during our era, life is full of a lot of tribulation, isn't it? And if if you purpose to live your life for God... If you say you want your marriage to be the right thing and you say you want to lead your family the right thing or you want to live as a single adult and you want to make a, a, an eternal difference in people's lives, in other words, you want to get involved in a picture and, and something that's bigger than yourself and bigger than this life, you will get the attention of the adversary. And you will have adversaries. You will. I don't mean to be unkind, but if in your spiritual life you you don't ever see any resistance, then I'm wondering how effective you're being. Satan ain't real worried about you apparently, but if you try to do something what's right for God and you try to live right, there are going to be some adversaries. And this morning, as we now, I've brought you to our text verse, the verse that we've just been thinking about these last week or so. How do I answer the adversary that'll help me live this life in the power of the Holy Spirit of God and make a difference and thrive. And that brings us to verse number 8, where the remnant, the believers, notice what they say, verse 8, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Wow. Do you see the two ways that we're supposed to answer the adversary? I find these two things, these two elements are critical. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, boy, if if you're going to succeed, if you're going to live faithfully for the Lord Jesus Christ, these two things need to be upon your heart and on your lips. They're so important to not quitting on God. I don't know about you, but it seems like as the days go on and the pressure increases that Christianity is becoming more and more superficial. And we're living in very spiritually dark times. And it's discouraging. I mean, I don't know how to sugarcoat it, but I, I I just hate that, but can anybody think you'd see the day where public libraries want to make drag shows be their central focus, and there's an argument about it? You're banning books? By the way, I told, I told somebody the other day, if I'm, gonna, if I'm down, I don't know if I should say this online, they might get my strategy, but if I was down there and they said, hey, we're going to If we can't have our perverted books in the Bible or in the library, then you can't have your Bible in the library. I'd say, fine, you guys took the Bible out decades ago. It's already been gone, so we'll take yours. But understanding that kind of perversion and put it in front of our kids and the fact that that there's a discussion and an issue tells you the kind of days we live in. But there are two things to answer the adversary. How do I answer him when he comes and he when I epic fail and he comes to me and says that and he rejoices over it? Number one way to answer is when I fall, I shall arise. You know the Bible tells, very familiar verse in Proverbs twenty-four, sixteen, for a just man falleth seven times and rises up again. And we know that the only one that, is, as I mentioned, that, is, that is, can be called just is one that is justified by faith and is made righteous. That's another way you can be called just. Paul wrote about this in Galatians chapter 2, knowing, verse 16, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed, simple faith, in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. In other words, your works can never be good enough to earn you the righteous favor of God. The only way you and I can be prepared to live for God forever is if God makes us that way. And the way he chose to do it is through Jesus Christ's death on the cross for our sins and the sins of the whole world. And then he, he offers you his, that great exchange. He took your sins and offers you his righteousness if you'll simply receive that gift by simple faith. Simple. Simple. And when you and I are born again, the Bible teaches we're baptized into Christ and indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God, so now we have the power to rise up again. In the era of grace, the power is the Holy Spirit of God. I I don't want you to leave here this morning misguided or misinformed or um, sometimes Christianity has been too melded with the self-help mentality of today. Now, I appreciate that, that mindset, and if I were unsaved, I, I'd hope that I'd pray that I'd be the kind of person that, that goes after it and says, I can do it, I can do it, you know? Um, but th- that, that is not a biblical worldview. It's not what I'm trying to offer you here this morning. It, it's not about self-help or a stoic philosophy that pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, you know, it's all, you know, because that's ultimately based on man's strength. And that fails. But there is a free will that every believer has that chooses every moment of every day whether to submit to God's leading in my life or to do it my way. Every day I decide whether I want to adopt an attitude or a feeling that I know is unbiblical. Ever done that? But I adopt it. Ever been mad you don't even know why? I've been there. Somewhere in our heart, there must be a volitional choice to choose the Christ life as my life principle. If you think once you get saved, you're just going to naturally float down there as my Calvinist friends say, well, you're going to just automatically do right because you you know what? I've known too many Christians, this one in particular. There's going to be adversaries and there's going to be choices and God still honors the choices you want to make in this life. Whether you want to waste it away and live it for here and now or you want to see a bigger picture and something that is of greater purpose. Everybody as a believer at some point must have what I call a Joshua moment and say as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord. There, there needs to be a point in time in your life. Now, some people do it the moment they get saved, especially if you got saved at an older age in life, you in your 30s, you've already knew what it was to mess up your life a little bit. And uh, so when you got saved, you said, you know, I've, I've done it my own way long enough and you make that decision. But if you're like me and you get saved at the age of seven, I, I don't want to be unkind to you here this morning, but I had no idea what it was going to take to live the Christian life when I was seven. But I did know that I was a sinner in need of a savior and capable of being saved. And a lot of folks that grow up in the church, the problem is they grow up in the church and they're legitimately saved. But they have never had the Joshua moment. Even as I read in Revelation chapter 12, verse number 10, about Satan being the accuser of the brethren, you know the very next verse in Revelation chapter 12, verse number 11, the Bible says, they overcame him with the blood of the lamb, God's power, and by the word of their testimony, the choices they made. It was through the power of the blood, and then me using my mouth to say said testimony. Boy, we could use more Christians willing to speak up a word of their testimony. Amen? I don't think the problem in America is that most Americans don't have these, some of these social issues figured out. The problem in America is most Christians are far too concerned about their I don't know, if Hulu got interrupted than they are what's going on and what's being fed to our children in the public school system. We must not be naive and accept so much of the prosperity theology of our day. I'm not going to sugarcoat it to you. First off, if you live for God, it is the best choice you'll ever make. It is the most prosperous way, spiritually speaking. (laughs) But... if if, if you think you're going to live for God you need to understand that the hits and the wounds and the defeats and the failures and the satanic attacks are going to come there are going to be moments where you epic fail and we must have counted the cost and chosen to do as Jesus said that was required to be a disciple now, again, I want to clearly delineate here, all right? I don't want anybody to misunderstand, especially if you're watching online. Well, not especially. You want you guys to understand, too, all right? It, becoming a child of God is a free gift, it's easy and it's simple. And I'm so thankful for that because I'm a simple kind of guy, all right? But if you want to be a disciple, that's very costly. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter number 16. He said, if any man would be my disciple, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You have to take the instrument of your own death and carry it around. And God says, you need to learn and be willing to submit to death to yourself. And that is hard and painful. Painful. By the way, this is why it irks me and offends me when well-known Bible TV preachers use this kind of verse to say this is what's required to get to heaven. If this is what is required to get to heaven, I am in big trouble. There have been many times where I don't want to take up my cross. There are times I don't want to follow where he says to go. There are many times I do not want to deny myself. But if you want to be a disciple, that's the cost that it's going to take. And we must answer the adversary that, yes, you know what? To all my adversaries, there are times I'm going to fall. But I'm going to get back up. Because God promised through his spirit, by his grace, that he'd give me the power to do so. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in my body. That when, when I die to myself, when the cross that I'm carrying does its, does its effective work to make me die to myself, that through that I am identifying and revealing to others around me the life of Christ. Because people naturally we do what we want to do that's best for myself. How about this verse? Psalm thirty-seven, twenty-three: The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Amen and amen. Say to your adversaries, Yes, I may fall down, but by the grace of God, I will get back up. Now, when you're down and out, there's another thing that the remnant says to the adversary that was good, good uh, advice for you and I. Not only would I fall I arise, but notice the last half of verse 8. He says, and when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Just as the tribulation saints will be betrayed by friends and family, and they're going to see very dark times, very evil times, very lonely times, very uncertain times. I know I've thought to myself, well, they'll have the Bible and they'll know all this stuff. I, maybe they will, but boy, i got to tell you, anybody that goes, that's going to be around during the tribulation period, it's going to be tough. But another thing they're going to say to their adversaries is, no matter how dark it gets, the Lord will be a light unto me. Now, in your Bible, if, if, if you notice that the word Lord is in all capital letters. Whenever you see that in your King James, it's because the King James, they didn't want to, the, the translators had such respect for the name of God that they didn't want to always put it in there. So whenever you see that word Lord there, the, 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 the Hebrew word there is the word Jehovah. God's primary and his personal name. Matter of fact, uh, uh, I think it was Blue Letter Bible, a couple of places said that what Jehovah means is, is, is simply the existing one. Isn't that interesting? The existing one. And the remnant, this believer says, when my enemies rejoice over me, I tell them, When I fail, I'm going to get back up. And when I'm sitting in darkness, the Lord's going to be the light unto me. Now, the Lord meaning, when he uses the word Jehovah here, he's bringing to the the idea that that the one who is from everlasting to everlasting, the one who is the Alpha and Omega, the one uh, who needs no learning, the one who has no counselor, he's the one that's going to be my light during dark times. Pretty good light, isn't it? You ever notice when you're in a really, really dark place, like when you're hiding in a closet somewhere from your siblings when you're a kid, you know, or something, and, you know, or you're here at church and one of our children crawls underneath the platform here and parents can't find them, you know. All you need is one little light. It's amazing that the effectiveness. The darker it is, the more that little light shines, isn't it? He is our light during dark times. You say, well, how do I see his light? Well, I personally believe God has given us, as I've mentioned, his spirit. And he's given us his word to provide that light that we need. Jesus himself said of himself in John 8, verse number 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of men. First John 1 5, this then is the message we've heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and what? A light unto my path. Psalm 112, verse number 4, uh, unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. So that light that appears according to Psalm 112, that light that comes along our side when we've been knocked down, when we've failed. Aren't you glad that the light of the Lord, the presence of the Lord is a gracious light, a compassionate light, and a righteous light? Oh, that's good. I almost did a whole sermon just on that verse. Maybe I will. I don't know. You see, we know that the Word of God it serves as that light for us today, which is why it is wise for you and I to hide God's Word in our heart so it's right in here in your mind that no one can take it out. And isn't it amazing how when John introduces us to the Lord Jesus Christ in John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he goes on to say in verse 4, in him was life, And the life was the light of man. You see, there must be this answer to the adversary during dark times. Even a few weeks ago or last week, several weeks we've been looking at Hebrews 13 and we've been talking about last week we we had a very somber Sunday night service last Sunday night with the persecuted church this Sunday night I think it's going to be a little bit more levity tonight uh, so if you come tonight don't judge Oh, the church you know no last week we were very serious you know um, it, and it was pretty intense and it was powerful wasn't it for those of you who are here yeah okay me and Jenny liked it okay um, then again <laughs> We were running around arresting everybody, so it was kind of, kind of fun. Um, you know, had a little sirens and everything, you know. Um, but the persecuted church in Hebrews 13, or 13, verse number 5, Paul says, or the writer of Hebrews says to that persecuted church, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave you, leave thee nor forsake thee he's telling them during your persecuted time be reminded that that your lifestyle and the things that you're covetous after you know I want peace I want to just be able to have my my job I want to things that may not be necessarily wrong or maybe you just are uh, you know unhappy about your status and I want a bigger this and bigger that and and ultimately he says listen you got to put all those things aside and and treasure most the the promise of God that he says I'm never going to leave you I'm never going to forsake you the problem with Christians is we far more treasure the, the things of this life than we value you the presence of God and then when we get in the darkness we wonder why we don't sense his presence we must as I said hide God's word in our heart and be prepared for the dark times because when we fall and our enemies rejoice you need to have it rock solid convinced in your brain and in your heart Jehovah is the light and that that light is the very presence and the word of God you cannot rely on your feelings you cannot rely on other people's faith you cannot rely on other people's experience this is a you and God thing And you had better mark it down and have made the decision and roll off your lip to your adversary that when you're wiped out and you have failed and you're sitting there in the dark and you don't see and you don't understand why things are what they are and you don't know where to go from here, you have got to be solid convinced that God is your light. He said, I don't see very much. Been there. And you know what I do when I can't see and I don't know what to do? I go back to the promises of God and I trust them and I let what God's word says be the thing that moves the decisions I make there have been times whether it's financial decisions there have been times where it's been conflict decisions that I have just simply trusted what God has said Sometimes it, in, in, in being a type A personality who just likes a good fight every now and then, I, I hate it when God says to me, you know that person was really mean to you? I want you to show them kindness. Don't like that verse. And the Beatitudes don't like it. Thank you, Brian, one honest soul back there. Don't like it. I'd much rather tell you what a jerk you are. And by the way, every now and then God says, go ahead and tell them they're being a jerk because they need to hear it. I like it when he gives me that one. Don't give me that one very often, but every now and then he says, "All right, green light go. You, they need to be lit up." All right, Lord, I got that one I got. But that's the exception rather than the rule. Most time he says, "Just go be nice to them, you know? Take the path of humility." Take the path in, in your marriage of the soft answer that turns away wrath. No, I don't, I don't like that very well. But when I'm in the dark, if you've made a commitment, I'm going to do it God's way. Then when you sit there in the dark and you know the word of God and God says, well, I want you to be kind when they're not being kind to you. Oh, well, guess what? That's what I do. At least I try. But most Christians have never made that decision and they get in that spot and then it, then it comes down to, well, they said to do this and, well, I really feel like this. Well, I'm happy you feel that way, but boy, I would not recommend you live your Christian life based on how you feel. You must be certain of your decision and this is how you must answer the adversary. When I fall, I will arise. And when I sit in darkness, Jehovah is my light. Now I couldn't get out of this morning without a couple quick illustrations and when I was going over this verse and when I fall and Gabe's back there this morning and I told Gabe he was going to like this in particular because I just thought about you, Gabe, you know. Um, Famous quote, Batman quote, remember that one? See, see I'll know, nobody knows Scripture, but they know, they know Bruce Wayne quotes, or this actually Alfred, you know. To young Bruce when he falls down the well, now when he's all hurt, oh, 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 young Master Bruce, you know, what do we, why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves up? When you get wiped out like Job did, you gotta be like Job and say, Job 19, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. And I know that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth and I know that though my skin worms destroy this body yet I know in my flesh I shall see God. Do you know it? Or maybe you're, you're, you're like the psalmist who who is knocked down into the, the pit of despair and as soon as I wrote in my notes the pit of despair this quote came to my mind <laughs> and don't even think about escaping. Um only half the crowd's going to get this quote. I wondered, so all the Princess Bride are now, people are now laughing. All right, I wrote this in my notes. I'm just being honest with you. I'm out there writing. You go, Pastor's all spiritual. He's writing. So no, I'm typing. You know, I'm like, I've been knocked into the pit of despair. And all I thought is that. Like, I'm in the pit of You're in the pit of despair. Don't even think about getting out. And I'll tell you, when I've been in the pit of despair, I have concluded many times that there was no way out. But we've got to be like the psalmist who said in Psalm 40, he brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Like old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego commanded to get down and worship the idol. And they said no, and king got mad, turned up the furnace. You know the story. And and the Bible says they were thrown in. But I want to show you something that maybe you've never caught out of that that passage. I'm going to give you a little advanced uh, Bible training here. (laughs) Uh, Daniel chapter 3 and verse 23, the Bible says, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And then, But a verse or two later, verse 25 King Nebuchadnezzar answers and says, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. (laughs) You see it? They got knocked down, but they got back up. Some Christians, I'm convinced, we'd been thrown into the fire, we'd still be rolling around on the floor. Oh, and the Lord's going, get up. Remember those bounds, things that you felt were binding you? All the furnace did is set you free. Like Daniel, who's thrown into the lion's den, got back up, or Joseph, thrown into the pit and into the prison, but got back up. Like Peter, who denied Jesus three times, he didn't need to get resaved. He just needed to get back up. Or like Thomas, who doubted but got back up, or John Mark, who gave in to fear and left serving God while he was on the mission field, but he got back up. You see, Christians this morning. We have it in us to get back up. You say, I'm a Christian, how do I have it in me to get back up? Here's how you have it in it to get back up. How I know you can. Because our adversary, Satan himself, had the precious lamb of God, beaten, scourged, crushed under the weight of the cross, crucified and buried, but three days later, he got back up. And because he lives, we will live also. Oh, that's good stuff. I don't know what trial you're in this morning. I don't know what hurts have you down today, But I do know according to the word of God how you must answer the adversary. Maybe this morning you're just going through the motions in your spiritual life. Maybe, maybe fear has you defeated. Maybe doubt has you knocked down. Maybe the fiery furnace has just steps away and you can feel the heat. Maybe health issues have you hearing the adversary. God doesn't really care about you. Why didn't he just heal you? you got to say to the adversary, hey, Satan, adversary, (laughs) you can rejoice all you want, but here's the deal. When I fall, I'm going to get back up. And when I sit in the darkness, Jehovah is my light. Amen? Amen. 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 Lord Jesus, thank you for the teaching of your word this morning. Thank you for the grace and mercy that, um, that you promised you'd never leave us or forsake us. Lord, I pray if there's one here this morning or somebody listening online that doesn't know they're on their way to heaven, maybe they've been trusting their works. Maybe they've been saying, oh, I've been a good enough person. And and this morning they've realized that you can't be good enough in your own self to go to heaven, but only by the finished work of Jesus Christ and receiving his righteousness applied on your behalf. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Would you trust him? Would you receive that free gift today, my dear friend? But this morning... Really encourage them to Christians because we live in very discouraging times. We live in times where the adversary is just running wild. Marriages are being destroyed. Families are being discouraged. Maybe the problem is you've not really decided and committed what your answer to the adversary is going to be. When you get knocked down, are you committed by the power of God to get back up? And when you're sitting in darkness and don't know what to do, are you looking for the light that is found in the presence of God in your life and through his word? Holy Spirit of God, I pray for every believer here today. I know every person in here is going through some kind of trial, some kind of adversity. God, I pray these, these words from your word would be a source of encouragement, and I pray your Holy Spirit would impress these words upon each life that's represented here this morning as we go through this next coming week and the trials and the issues that await us this week. God, I'm thankful that your word doesn't change. So bless us in Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand? Joe's gonna lead us in a verse of invitation.